Request, live on Radio Free Brooklyn. Pod Request is an hour-long talk show about everything in and relating to technology. Starring three Brooklyn technophiles, hopefully, Eric Newman, hi, Chris Grabowski, oh, hello. and Tyler Dinner, who is not here yet. Hello, everybody. Hello, Brooklyn. Hello, New York. Hello, America. And welcome to another Pod Request. My name is Eric Newman, and to my left, as usual, Chris Grabowski. Hello. I added an H to your name. Could you hear that, Krish? No, I didn't catch that. You didn't that's, catch that. That's no. a little odd, though. Oh. Uh, that's, that's what, sorry? That's a, a little odd. A little odd? Yeah. You don't want to be a Krish? I, I, I had a professor Krish back when I was uh, 18. Oh, yeah? What did he teach? Uh, well, his research was in data mining, but uh, he taught, like, uh, the basic classes I tested out of, actually. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You get, do you, is it, uh, was it CLEP? What? The, no, the, the test that you took. That, no, I, it's, I had AP credit. You know, again, this is, there's another thing where, like, once I turn up your gain so I can hear you, then you hear the whole room. Are you talking into the front of that microphone? Is that, like, is that what that is? Like, is that... Chris? Yeah? yeah I, I need I mean, you to I'm, I'm... talk with me so we can figure out the right levels so you're not we're not unbalanced this episode yet again. All right, uh, it's just Tyler's out there and locked out, so... Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, is that's what that was? Yeah. Oh, that was a very good reason to not listen to me. Do you want to, uh... Yeah, I love... But the Frederico's upstairs. Can't he, like, knock? Uh, well... Apparently. Do you need a key to get out? I, I don't know. Here, take take my keys. It's this one. Okay. And then, uh, let's just really hope that you get back in time. Well, I stall yet again. It's always a challenge here in Pulver Quest trying to figure out how to get everything done in time and how to get everybody into the studio and hooked up and when a door isn't locked five minutes before the show is before the show airs, but is locked three minutes after we go on the air. It's really hard to make sure that everybody gets in on time. But at least I'm here, dear Brooklyn. You have me, Eric Newman, just stalling for time yet again as my two co-hosts make their way down the stairs into the studio, which they haven't done yet. I don't know uh, what the hell's going on with these guys, but, you know, I try to get here on time. It's a real hassle, even though I live in Bushwick, and it's one of these two dingbats can't get here one week or another. I don't know what it is. Like, every week there's something. Hey! How you doing? Quite well. Good, good. The door was locked? Yeah. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Tyler. Hey, guys. Get a little closer to the microphone there. Let's Lo- locked out for a second. Locked out for a second. Yep. I think you took exactly as much time to get in as the song that I played to stall for time. Excellent. So I think that works out really well. Did I miss a good song? Oh. No, it was that. Uh, it was this. It was oh, our. It was our eight bit Carol of the Bells. Sorry, it was our eight bit Carol of the Bells from the Christmas episode. <laughs> so I needed play that during the Christmas episode. We did, we did, but we, you know, just like we forgot to say Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or sing the Hanukkah song. Yeah, we did play this, but I didn't know. I since I don't know Christmas carols. Anyway, this is way too late. January is way too late to be talking about Christmas for 2016. Anywho, anywho, on Friday a historic event happened. Yeah, did you hear about it? it? Yeah. No. Well, aside from the fact that I'm starting a new job Monday. Oh, you are. Yeah. But Pat- anyway, let's keep going. Well, okay. Let's not- well, we have. I mean, we should talk. This only happens once every four or eight years. We have yeah, a new president. Yeah, yeah, but we we really shouldn't talk. about Okay. It. Well, I made this. Good morning, our presidents, those Toyos, Washington. Friday, January twentieth, Donald J. Trump has taken office as the forty-fifth president of the United States. 
Despite his populist inaugural address, his first vote-out office was marred with protests around the country and across the world. In Washington, Detroit, Chicago, Los Angeles, and of course, New York City. Protesters surrounded Trump's buildings in Manhattan amid fears of reversing decades-long progress on the fight towards equality. Trash signs and other signals of moral decay clog up first, second, and fifth avenues, only for the blue-collar security workers and police to clean up. Protesters also flash mobbed Grand Central Station, the nation's second busiest train station, interrupting passengers regardless of their prior voting record. Immediately after protesting women's rights, socialized medicine, and against unbridled capitalism, they can be seen here celebrating their efforts by waiting online at a local fast food establishment. It's worth nearly $3.4 billion headed by a man and serves mostly unhealthy food. Though many Americans are afraid of what happens next, we at least know the world still turns and the truth marches on. This has been News to Use. Brought to you Mighty Money. Thanks, Eric. Wow, that was a fabulous report I did. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I, uh, Love yes. the influences there. Thanks. And that's all we're talking. That's it. We're done. All right. Now, something else political. Yeah, I want to talk about how media is changing in the 21st century. This isn't actually political. It's not like government uh, I politics. Know, I don't know why you call that political. I just wanted to trigger you. <laughs> eh. um, <clears throat> well, other- well, you didn't like that like uh, South Parking newsreel that I made, Christian? I appreciated that. It voice. was a direct influence of from the March of War. From the March of War! Brought to you by Smackers. Brought to Exactly. Exactly. And the, uh, I, yeah, anyway. Uh, that's, you know. Fabulous, uh, my, Exactly. My sister is an actual news reporter on the wrong coast, where you're from, Tyler. And, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, this is the right side of the country, so yours is the wrong side of the country. It's called left coast. Oh, Sometimes no. best coast. No, east coast, beast coast. She yeah, has Strong Island Beast Coast bra. Exactly. I was there Yo, yesterday. First and first, mostly bra. Don't mess with Strong Island. Which way is the beach bra? Yo. <laughs> you sure I... where the weight room is? That, that's not really Long Island, but... It's probably uh, uh, okay, it's Jersey. Long Island. Yeah, it's much more Jersey. More Jersey. Um, anyway, I wanted to talk to you guys about something important. We are a podcast mm-hmm. now. Oh, it's official. It is official. You can find us on iTunes if you search for pull requests. But of course... You can't hear me saying this right now because our podcast and Radio Free Brooklyn are delayed by five days. Nothing like getting the news five days later. I know. So this this creates sort of an issue for us because we try to stay on top of things. And at the pace of technology and at the pace of news, what you hear... I mean, first, we're already kind of like a very, very bad last week tonight where <laughs> on a Sunday we review the news from the previous week. Mm-hmm. So the news is already a couple of few days old by the time we get to it, which is not too great, but we have the best <laughs> insight, so it's worth waiting for. However, five days after we do this, which with the already kind of mid-to-stale news, uh, then the podcast goes out. So next Thursday, you will hear me talking about how uh, on last Friday, Donald Trump became president. But that's six days, or almost a week. You know what? Later. Memory works better that way. But You need to hear it a week later again, and then it'll stick in your memory for the long term. I guess, but do people still care a week out? That's really my question. No, I mean, that, but that's what we're going to tell ourselves. We're going to tell ourselves. Well, how about what if we um, we I, I have, I've tried talking with the wonderful people that run Radio Free Brooklyn as I do tech work for the station. I thought I could say technology podcasts, but put it together. I thought no. Media, See, no the no. argument I would make synergy. Is, what is the argument you would make? Look at my GitHub and look at what I can do in five days. The amount of work I get done is tremendous, and I'd say the same goes for almost every developer out there. 
like you can change on a dime within five days right. and have a whole different thing out there or just make a huge iteration on something existing out there that, that really improves it. So what have you done for our show that's taken seven days? Uh, most of the actual code for that IP spoof was... That was great. last week. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I mean this week. What'd you do? This this week I just got a thing. article. A thing. But I also did nothing. Oh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Okay. I think... Uh, well... It's interesting because the the big argument that that uh, we've been getting into, not us, but I mean me and the people that run our fine radio station with trying to have a same day or next day podcast. As the we, people versus Eric. Yes, I know. Is the, is, is the story of my life. Well, uh, we are an internet radio station and not a podcast network. What is the difference, Tyler, between an internet radio station that podcasts and a podcast network that has live streams? That would be semantics. That would be semantics. That is correct. Christian, what is the difference between an internet radio station that has podcasts and a podcast network that has live streams? Absolutely nothing. Well, this semantic <laughs> difference... What is it good for? This <laughs> semantic difference is what is preventing us from podcasting today or tomorrow. Now, mind the dear people of Brooklyn, podcasting is about 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, 2004? Basically, when the iPod came out. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was at, it was actually after the iPod came out. So it was two thousand four, two thousand five. In two thousand six, I was on Nightcast, which is a UCF's college <laughs> internet radio station. I was on a radio show there, and I was doing same day podcasts ten years ago. Only to find out now, where everything is matured and is quicker and won't take half a day to upload an MP3, that we can't do it because of a delay imposed by the station. Now we want people to keep listening to us live even though I believe our target demographic prefer podcasts, just for us. Mm-hmm. We can't talk about anybody else, but, uh, because there are, I know there are other shows that do actually get a great live listen. It's fantastic. And I'm very happy that we're creating a community around Radio Free Brooklyn. But the thing is, I really believe podcasts can create the same type of community. I'll give you an example. The best podcast in the universe is one that I listen to. They do twice a week. They do a show on Sunday and a show on Thursday. So by the time you hear their show and they come on live, they do a live stream that airs before our show. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that they do two shows before you get to hear our first one. Interesting. Mm. And they survive entirely on donations and have a live stream that eclipses that of Radio Free Brooklyn. Why don't we want that? I was a big Mm. fan of the highly intellectual... Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Podcast is called, I have to plug it, I talked about it. Podcast is called No Agenda because they have no agenda except for the outline that they make on Saturday night before the show. But outside of that, they have no agenda. They talk about news. They do media deconstruction. That's how I stay afloat in the age of fake news and cable news. What were you saying, Tyler? Um, I was a very big fan of the highly intellectual Trailer Park Boys podcast. <laughs> and uh, once a week was great, and I knew that it would be there once a week and it would come out on Friday, but I never listened to it at the same time because it never worked for my schedule. Right, and I assume that many people in Brooklyn might be uh, still sleeping at 1 o'clock. People, especially people like us who make uh, websites at 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, the majority yeah. in our demographic. Right. Mm. So is the solution, do we move later? Do we want to do a Sunday night? I feel no. like that's worse. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Now is the right, I, the time slot is perfect. We're part of the Sunday power block. It's great. But it's just a delay. There's just this delay in uh, podcasting. What I want to talk about because of that is how media consumption habits, not viewing or listening, but consumption generally, are changing. Can you close the door? Sorry, I just realized the door was open. Letting in all of the outside air into this... Ah, there we go. Much better. Okay, I wanted... uh, That was worse. 
Okay. I wanted to talk about how traditional media habits are changing, and then we can get into more technology stuff. But this is important because the 21st century represents a democratization and a heavy fragmentation of the media landscape. And it's very important to watch what's happening, especially with the, with the now, we are older millennials, 20, 25 to 34. That's, we're, the, we're, the, we're old. I don't like that. I don't like brackets. You can be in mm-hmm. Christian's age group, the teenies. 13 to 16. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, uh, I, actually, I actually read an article last night that's like, how do you advertise to Gen Z? Because they can't come up with any names, any creative names for generations anymore. So they're just like, oh, Gen X was the last one that we wanted to come up with. And now we're Gen Y. And, the, and Christian's schoolmates are Gen Z. I'm kidding. No, uh, I'm in the same generation as I you. I know, I know. But you've got that, that, that baby face. No. So not, anyway, no. I just like picking <laughs> For those you. playing at home, Eric's turning 30 this year. Uh, <laughs> he has some <laughs> subtle issues with it. <laughs> oh, it's a lot. But I'm still within, I'm in the middle of the older millennial age group, 25 to 34. And, I'll, and I'm 29 right now. Right in the middle. Uh, anyway, traditional TV viewing trends among 18 to 24-year-olds. So that's the most coveted group of advertisers. And it's the group that we are no longer in. Um... It shows, and I'll just show, I can't unfortunately turn the screen around. It shows a sharp decline, much like those graphs of Arctic sea ice, where <clears throat> in 2011, it shows that weekly time spent in hours, based on the 18 to 24 t- uh, TV, and this is traditional TV, which it notes does include uh, time-shifted media, which uh, the, the point of me reading this was to talk about how people... I really believe nobody is watching stuff live anymore, and nobody is listening to things live. There are only three things that people care to watch live. Sports, Game of Thrones, and what happened on Friday. And really, a lot of people didn't even watch what happened on Friday. What what is what happened on Friday? The thing you don't want to talk about, Christian. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and in that category, live streams in general, uh, conferences and whatnot. Like the Apple conference and the Build conference for Microsoft. Right, right, mm -hmm. right. But since the Apple, since Steve is dead, the Apple conference isn't really worth uh, streaming anymore. Yeah, I usually watch those after. Well, the also since Apple is just awful this year, yeah. they're not worth. But the Microsoft, Microsoft has done a great job of ripping off every aspect of the Apple one now, and they have good products, so they're yeah. interesting to watch. I, 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 I might hold my nose and agree with you, Tyler. It's it's a it's a brave new world. I mean, last my, year's was probably the best I'll ever get because it was just jaw dropping. I was actually working, what Microsoft? Yeah, because I was working as a .NET developer at the time, and my whole office was watching the conference. And my favorite part was when they said uh, .NET is now open sourced, and we had very expensive licenses for the framework. So there was just like in my brain, I'm thinking of there's thousands of CEOs across the country that are like, God damn it, I bought a two thousand dollar license yesterday for my developers. And now it's free. I don't know how Microsoft is making money. I really support they, their democratization They are of actually software. making more money now than they were prior. How? They, they are getting much money. more of a developer share market. So, so that's, that's the way that they're, they're uh, going to buy more of their laptops. And they make, you make much so more money So they're getting into the hardware. the hardware business. Yes, and they're making they more money off of that. They're never the hardware business. They're fantastic now. Have you seen, you seen those Microsoft products? mice and the ergonomic keyboards? Yes. They're selling yeah. like hotcakes. I, I could you have an ergonomic keyboard? Yeah. Do they still make those? Yeah. Where it scoops in? Oh, not that one. That's what I'm. What's what's the oh, modern ergonomic keyboard? It's the uh, uh, similar, but it's more like just two halves of a keyboard spread out, so way you're uh, very natural feel. M- much like the older ergonomic keyboards, that do uh, studies show that it doesn't help at Actually, all? Actually, in fact, when I was on Long Island yesterday, I happened to come across a Microsoft store, which I was bewildered about because one, it's a Microsoft store, um, but two, uh, when I was checking it out. <clears throat> 
they had the new Surface Studio. That thing is uh, honestly impressive. Is it? It, lo- very, it looks like it has potential. It, it is very impressive. It is a dual. Uh, you you would look. like it as a designer. You would like it. Does it come with that like ashtray yeah, yes. color wheel? Yes, it comes it with that. Yeah. George, wait, but there's one flaw. It runs Windows. It, no, it's not working for lefties. That what? color wheel, yeah, is set up to using your right hand. No, left hand. It has, right. it has a don't mode for. They fixed it. Yeah, yeah, I saw they, an online review, and the guy could not switch yeah, it to his. No, no they, they pushed. They pushed an update that you actually say lefty mode or ready mode. Oh, just thank God! The whole thank thing. you. Yeah, you know how hard it is being lefty in a right-handers <laughs> world. Well, you actually deli use, slicers. You use are your, not made for left-handers. You use your opposite mm-hmm. hand for the wheel, and then you have the pen in the you other need hand. The stylus. Yeah. Well, so when Tyler said lefty, did he mean righty? Yeah. So yeah, like, you have the wheel. So you have the wheel in your left hand. Yeah. yeah. So you would yeah. have held it in your right, right hand, hand, and then all the stuff would have, all the colors would have come up on the opposite side of your hand. So you had to like go over your hand to get Wait, it. Wait. So as you turn it, it comes up on the other hand. Yeah. Like, so my left hand. So if, wait, so if, I'm, if right I have hand. the wheel in my right hand and I turn it, then I see the colors on my to, left hand. You'd have to select. No, the colors go over the over the wheel. They like they oh, come they do, out from right no, on okay. the wheel. At least it wasn't that. But they come out from the left side of the right side of the wheel. Oh, I see. Yeah, Microsoft—they've never been good with creative people. They try. No, mm-hmm. the, this this looks promising. I don't know. I'll have to see it for myself. I w- I'm really looking for one of those wow moments, like when I walked into an Apple store for the first time and I hadn't been using Mac OS for 10 years. And I said, wow, they've actually kept working on it this whole time. Right. Oh, that also reminds me. My next laptop is going to be running Linux instead of OS X. Oh, so will mine. Are you going to... Eric, are you staying with Mac? I'm going to use this laptop until it dies, which is oh. going to be sometime this year because it's a Macintosh. But we asked about the next laptop. The next laptop would have been one of the new MacBook Pros, but, but it's not. But they're trash. Mm. Yeah. They're just... So, they, don't, like, they don't even have a click when you press the keys. Yeah, I know that. No, nor does the new phone. The, the home button isn't a, yeah. isn't a button. It doesn't go down. It just vibrates, which feels yeah. wrong. It dear, really does. Dear Apple, you shouldn't have done that. No, it's because the 21st century. The idea that we're going to have a, we're still going to have a keyboard in 50 years is ridiculous. Yeah. The the idea that we're going to have pressable buttons, I think, is ridiculous. Anyway, everything's going to be touch. Anyway, anyway, we got off track as I was talking about traditional TV TV viewing habits among 18 to 24 year olds. In 2011, they spent 26 hours a week. Watching TV, but in 2016 they spent 18 hours a week watching TV. Does that include Netflix? No. Or is that live TV? Live and DVR, which kind of I can't separate out the DVR. I want to because that will tell you how much how many people are actually watching live TV, which is not that many. Because people want a DVR and at least a little bit strip out the commercials. Yeah, then you're just yeah. one step away from watching on Netflix. Exactly. But the mm-hmm. problem also is if you do strip out the commercials, you kill the advertising revenue, which is the bedrock. Of television and radio, so if this time well, sh- they already they already show that uh, Netflix is higher grossing uh, any of these subscription based streaming things right. are higher grossing than anyone who's uh, relying on. Do ads. they also account for the amount of lost money by people sharing passwords? Uh, well, there isn't really lost money there. There is lost money there. Well, there's lost potential. In money. fact, They're it's not- illegal in Tennessee. It's a felony to share your Netflix password. That's weird. No, it's because it's theft. Not really. It is. They they allow multiple people on those accounts. You realize they they give you set uh, I'm like not a max the, of like I'm not four the profiles. Government. I'm not the government. Yeah, but you realize it, they specifically when you get a Netflix account, it's like who are you and who is the, I, the other three people? You're not arguing with me. I, I know, but I'm I'm just saying that this, this is wrong because Netflix says he, here have four accounts out of one real account. Okay. Well, I'm not. I don't write laws. 
They Sorry. are pretty lax about it. They are, but I feel like that might change that. as more revenue kind of depends on subscriptions. Yeah, I think we need to view it as, you know, we can only have such nice things for a small time. Like, there was a time in 2006 to 2008 where you could get every episode of every TV show ever on YouTube, and then Vivo came about. Oh. And well, you still can on BitTorrent, so it's fine. Um, let's see, the state of traditional TV. Here's how you know Vivo's bad, by the way. The art, there's a list of artists with Cody. the most Vivo videos on YouTube. Yeah. And the number one is Rihanna. Yeah. That's how you know to stay away. How much did she make? Does she make from those videos? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. You don't know. Okay, well, um, outside of the TV viewing decline, other research says it's hard to argue against the belief that shifting habits away from live linear programming are a root cause. So I think that... It's people not watching live t- TV. They're watching streaming services. They're watching time otherwise time-shifted content. It's not convenient, and I don't want to be bothered with commercials. Right. But you'd rather pay for something. Oh, big time. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting because I support that, but at the same time, I don't want advertising to go away. What's it cost? $4 a month to go from Hulu with ads to Hulu without ads? Right, but there's a, real, there's a, real, skill in, there's a real skill in crafting an ad that, that works in a short amount of time. Yeah, it should be reserved for the Super Bowl commercials. Mm-hmm. Would you would you pay for a Super Bowl without? No, you can't pay enough. I wouldn't want to. You can't pay enough. I, I care more about those commercials, commercials than the game. The commercials half the time. last year weren't that good. There's always a few that are good enough, though. So, uh, apart from a decline in television, something that works against my argument is that there's actually been an increase in online radio listening. Imagine that, like us, we're increasing, which we are, fantastic, but. Uh, it says, according to data from Edison Research, the percentage of Americans 12 years or age or older, so this time we get to be in the same group, Christian, uh, who have le- well, listened what? to online, <laughs> online radio in the past month has once again continued to grow, rising from 53% to 57%. That share is about double the percentage of Americans who had done so in 2010. Updated data for services of choice for online radio listening in 2015 were not available, but during 2014, 73% listened on smartphones, while 61% listened on desktops and laptops. Now, what's important what's important to remember when listening to this is that people tend these a lot of people tend to get uh, news online and they tend to get their news I'm sorry, not online, I'm trying to do th- two things at once. Uh, they're trying to get um, I know this wouldn't work on the air. I said on my notes read this section and then I thought I would be able to scroll to the set but it's not. Anyway, um, what is it? Radio maintained the broadest reach of any platform among 18 to 34-year-olds among the average week in the Q2 period, while smartphone, smartphone app plus web audience was considerably larger than the TV audience. Everything seems to be showing that people are watching stuff in their smartphones or listening to things online and not listening to the radio station. In fact, these figures about radio are only inflated because they include services like Pandora that have a radio function, or Spotify that has a radio function. That's not radio, that's streaming, but they call it radio because it's passive media. So I'd say that this, this study that says that radio listening habits have increased, or online radio has increased, also, by the way, includes terrestrial stations that you listen to online. That's not us. That's not internet radio. I was trying to figure out, internet radio versus podcasting, is there a trend? Is there a trend of saying there, there are fewer people listening to internet radio streams? But all of these other studies seem to lump them in with using the iHeartRadio app to listen to your local station where you're from, on the internet. That doesn't count. You still get the ads. That doesn't count. That's not the same. That whole uh, thing was confusing, especially with Spotify radio being lumped in there because that's just the playlist. So 
the same time, if I make it, if I'm listening to my Discover Weekly playlist, am I listening to a radio show? Right. I'm not. Well, just like I said, if you watch, if you watch the, uh, a new episode of Arrested Development that was made and uh, distributed on Netflix, you watch that on a phone in the bathroom. Is that television? Um, uh, sometimes some people just call that Thursday night, man. <laughs> mm. After Chipotle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this. And what, what are you getting into every weeknight? <laughs> This, uh, Susan Slavic, Solovic, sorry, the, the small business ex- expert has this article that says, Internet radio versus podcasts, where to get the most value for your small business? I'm not going to read the article, but she says that because every Macintosh ships with GarageBand and iTunes, why not just make a podcast? Why trouble yourself with Internet radio? Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. Anyway, we of course appreciate everybody who have listened to our show and will continue to listen and who give us the space to do our show, but... I believe that the world is transitioning away from live media and towards podcasting. I actually get angry half the time I have to watch live TV. Really? Yeah, the commercials, everything, it just dumbs me down. I get mad. It dumbs you down. I waste time. I sit through the commercials to watch something that I probably shouldn't even be watching in the first place. Uh, it's not good. Okay. Well, that's enough about media. Let's talk about this. I found Windows 95 in your browser. Lucky... I know because it only uses thirty. I'm sorry, it only uses thirty-two megs of RAM. So ironically, here I'll show you. Ironically, it actually uses less memory. Windows ninety-five running in your browser uses less memory than Gmail. Wow, that's right. Let's get some Minesweeper going, bro. Especially if you le- if you leave Windows uh, if you leave Gmail running, uh, then it's. Uh, yeah, you leave Gmail running, then it'll definitely eat up some memory. But there you go. You have your whole Windows 95 desktop, my computer, and the recycle bin. Is your Gmail running? And you you hit, better catch it. You can hit start, and uh, it doesn't work. Okay, wonderful. This was fantastic. Christian, what do you want to say about the V8 hash seed timing attack? There oh. was a mostly forgotten security issue that was fixed in Node.js back in 2012. Oh, we're doing the tech show now. Okay. Um... Uh-huh. Let's see. Not, computers are not all of life, Christian. And this is something that's taken me years, e- decades, to realize. The computers are not all of life. And there are other things outside of computers that may be interesting to us and to the people who listen to our show. Yeah, there's smartphones and We're porno. We're a tech show. <laughs> We're a tech show. Yes, I know. We were talking about internet v- media consumption. Anyway, so the whole thing <clears throat> has to do with uh, if, if you, the attacker inserts many keys into a hash t- uh, table based on the way that V8 uh, is constructed on what is uh, V8? hashing. V8 is the JavaScript uh, runtime for, uh, well, Chrome, Electron, Node.js, a few other things out there. Uh, It's just really an embeddable C++ library that will allow you to execute JavaScript. So if you're running uh, Firefox or Opera, you could be like, I could have had a V8. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. If only. Yeah, you don't seem to be happy today, Christian. No. No. Uh, so the whole thing uh, is the fact that uh, if they just insert all these random keys, eventually yeah, they can actually get a, a different key, at, well, a different value that has a different key out of it. Key in what? A hash table. A hash table. So memory. Is it memory? No. No? Well, it's a data structure that obviously, any data structure uses memory. But with this, this is saying it can pull out a value that this uh, attack should not have uh, given you. Is that because of a collision in the hash function? Uh, yeah, the way they uh, go about implementing this, uh, in, uh, you end up having a, a, a certain ceiling of how many different unique hashes you can have. And oh, well, that doesn't sound like a forward thinking. Like a, just a numerical limit? They, well, they, <clears throat> so there's two main, <clears throat> sorry, um, 
Two main uh, f- uh, functions for uh, hashing in a hash table. There's Jenkins. And right? uh, uh, that's not what no that, no. And uh, so uh, with one of them, you're guaranteed up to n uh, unique hashes. The other one uh, is What's that th- theoretically in, uh, infinite. Uh, I don't remember the name offhand. Okay. But uh, w- with the two differences, uh, with, with one of them, you can just keep on entering new hashes, and you're not guaranteed to uh, uh, collide with a, a particular value. With the one that V8 was using prior to this that uh, Node had fixed a while ago that they that, that are only recently looking to bring in upstream into actual V8, uh, is uh, uh, that one you'll just not, never have this issue. I think a big part of it is how uh, the V8 team goes about uh, adding changes into V8. In most Google uh, projects, they're very, if you're not from Google, they're very uh, hesitant and will vet your work very, very strictly before bringing it in, as opposed to if you are from Google, it's like day-to-day development. And the hash that looks like it causes this uh, avalanche, is that the right word to use? Sure. Avalanche behavior is a Jenkins one at a time ha- hash. I was not talking about Jenkins, the uh, build manager. No, I know, but that the Jenkins not... hash is. Uh, hold on, it says uh, in a few words the most dynamic. Most of dynamic languages use either bucket lists or open addressing. Mm-hmm. What's open addressing? So the bucket list one is the one where you hit n, and the open addressing one is the one where you're going to oh, end up uh, infinite. Theoretically infinite. And a bucket list makes sense, and buckets. Yeah. Right. Okay. V8 uses the latter one, open addressing, and in such case, when VM is asked to insert a property into an object, it does the following sequence of actions. Number one, compute the hash of the key quite often with a Jenkins hash. Number two, clear the high bits of the hash value. What defines, where do the high bits end and the low bits start? Is that like midway? It's based on... To the right and then midway to the left? It's based on, one, how, do you, how you're implementing these numbers, but two, uh, two if you're just using a default uh, integer, you're only going to have 2 to the 63rd as your uh, highest bit. So how many... No, but when, you, when it says clear the high bits, is that... That's a range of bits, isn't it? Yeah. How, if you have 64 bits... How many bits make up 2, two to the 63rd, basically? 64. 63? 64. 64, right. Yes. So that is... Uh, so how many of those so, are high? You basically split in half. Oh, that's what I said. I, I I wasn't understanding you then. You don't like agreeing with me. I think. No, nah, I, I just didn't get get what you're saying. Okay, uh, so you clear the high bits of the hash value. Use it as an use it as an index in the internal array. Find an unused slot in the array. Insert the key value pair at that slot. Except that sounds like a way that when the slot is full, that you get a collision. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Right, how, uh, that's not good. No, but that no, no, was funny. What was funny? The giggity. Giggity, 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 If an attacker can insert many keys like these into the hash table, the whole procedure is going to be much slower than the usual. 20 times slower in some cases. Wait, so let's, uh, let's simplify. Is this what we're doing in C++ to fix JavaScript? Yeah, so the whole thing, uh, it's a fun- ja- JavaScript is being executed entirely in C++. There is, is, the way uh, V8 works is it'll do JIT compilation to actually translate that JavaScript into a uh, intermediate uh, c- uh, code that's actually generated through C++ instead. And then that bytecode is actually what's executed. So the C reads the C++, which reads the JavaScript, which makes your JavaScript Well, driving. the bytecode is read from the C++ that was made from the JavaScript. Your bytecode. Something. <laughs> wow, good one, Tyler. 
Uh, if an attacker can insert many keys like these into the hash table, the whole procedure is going to be much slower, 20 times slower in some cases. During this time, node will be blocked, and performing such insertions one after another leads directly to a DOS. To put it in concrete context, request.headers and HTTP.server is populated with user data and is thus susceptible to this kind of attack. Interesting. Very interesting. So speaking of software exploits, Ansible. The configuration management tool so this one is quite, has a security hole. This one's kind of entertaining in a sense. So uh, the big issue is the fact that you can override... Uh, wait, which... you said, wait, you said it was entertaining? Okay. Yeah. No? No. Oh, sorry. But, uh, so, so the issue is that you can override the Python interpreter that Ansible uses. And, How do you do that? Uh, it actually takes a field in to specify. So uh, the, the intention there is to say I want to use 2.7 versus 3 at .x. But you oh, so it's a parameter it. that you can pass in. Yeah, and uh, the, the issue is you can just put any executable in there. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Wow. You're yeah. right. That was entertaining. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Christian, for the wonderful security exploit. Sorry. Thanks very much, Christian, for the wonderful security exploit. I, uh, the code review was done by Computes and resulted in a lengthy advisory. Uh, according to the timeline, problems were found sometime before December 8th. When they were first reported to the Ansible, man, December 8th, and now this is like January 22nd, mm -hmm. we only have a five-day delay. What happened? Uh, Ansible has a pretty rigorous release cycle. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. When they were first reported to the Ansible security team by the 13th of December, Ansible engineers had confirmed the issue using a proof of concept that Computest supplied. Shortly thereafter, a plan to disclose the flaws and fixes after the new year was agreed upon. All of that resulted in the advisory on January 9th. That makes sense. When Ansible controller contacts one of the hosts it controls, it gathers some information about the environment on that host. These are collected as, quote, facts that are sent back to the controller as JSON text. But because the contents of the facts could be coming from a compromised system, Ansible takes care to filter out some of the more dangerous facts that could be returned. As Computist found, however, there were ways around that filtering. Which I guess... Mm -hmm. it, if it filters out stuff, then how does it just let you pipe in any executable? Well, the idea here is it, it really just looks for the path to which Python interpreter, and the challenge is to say what's a Python interpreter versus what's some random program that you wrote. That and how do you how do you do that? You tell that, it these that, are not that was the hard thing that uh, uh, well the Ansible team, which is our team over at Red Hat now, had to figure out how do we actually do that, and a lot of that is with like a uh, I guess you could call it a pre-flight test to say yes this is Python versus. This is some uh, program that will return I, I, everybody's passwords. Again, how do you how do you really know that? Because you just you like have to get it to compile some sample code and then verify the bytecode that it creates. There, there are sometimes that just based on uh, if you run like a dash dash help, it will print out something unique or something like that that you could say yes, this is Python. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, that's not it what still they seems did, fudgeable but... though. I mean, possibly. Interesting. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about rethink? Y yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Why yeah. we failed. So this one was really interesting. It's just uh, the... What is RethinkDB? So RethinkDB was a really cool idea, if you ask me. Uh, well, we are asking you. The, yeah. Uh, the, the idea is it's an, a, uh, a database that was kind of MySQL plus Mongo with a uh, pub sub. But MySQL... That sounds wait, wait like no. Yes, thank you. No, Mongo is NoSQL. Yes. And MySQL is SQL. So, so SQL minus SQL plus, what did you say? Yeah, I like Mongo because it took out the SQL well, part. Okay, so, so SQL, wait, wait, hold on. SQL minus SQL plus so I'll, PubSub I'll tell you which equals... parts 
So pops up. Why have I'll tell you the part, confusion? I'll tell you the part. Wait, wait, wait. What if oh. we just store JSON files well, in a MySQL database? No, and they do that now. And then it's even harder to find the they information do, So in they there. do that now, and That's it's terrible. That's even worse. Yes, it's very hard to query JSON out of MySQL. Yes. But it's also thing. very hard to get anyway, a single thing so, out of Mongo without so what returning Rethink the whole does, document. So what Rethink does... Wait, can you agree to that? No, whatever. Uh, what Rethink does is uh, it, it'll it's still storing JSON like Mongo does, but... The one thing that it, it takes from MySQL is joins, which is a really big feature to say instead of doing query after query what? for documents, joins. Oh, joins. Sorry. So you can have sub-documents that are joined within a single query. So it's like Mongo plus Elasticsearch without the Elasticsearch. Well, Elasticsearch just searches in arbitrary uh, uh, data, but the, uh, it's more so like a SQL uh, database and the fact that you can have these relations between each documents within it. Oh, so you, so you can join JSONs based on a key in the JSON. Yes. Gotcha. Which the, but that you, can, you can do in Mongo too, but you're uh, handling that in the application layer as opposed to the database. So you have to instantiate MySQL in order to do that one thing? No, you're not instantiating MySQL. Oh. You're, you're just taking a, a, a design uh, feature. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the design. It doesn't actually yeah. implement them. Yeah. It's not like... A... It does implement them. It's just it's not MySQL itself. It's, hey, here's this idea from, well, most SQL databases... Not just MySQL, it's just MySQL is probably the best well-known one. Gotcha. I, I was thinking like it was one of those, um, like that esoteric JavaScript framework to Randall. That's <laughs> jQuery plus knockout plus require. Yeah. And it just lumps them together. Mm, back-end things don't do front-end things that are bad ideas. That sounds awful. <laughs> it is. Um, and it died. Yeah. So I have, I've got a couple sites in them that it just, there's no, there's no hope. We have to redesign them mm-hmm. lately. Anyway. anyway. So uh, the big feature you get, though, is the PubSub to these. That way, anytime an entry changes, you could have something that subscribes to these. Instead of pulling your database, it'll just have an open connection that says, hey, there's this update in the database. Well, it sounds like a novelty, so why are they shutting down? Yeah, that's the interesting part. In fact, uh, they go to uh, talk about, uh, they they tried to go for what they call the wrong metrics of goodness, which was correctness, uh, simplicity of the interface, they wanted to make it easy for developers to use it, and consistency. They didn't want to change much of what they're trying to do. They didn't want to change any of their marketing. They didn't want to change what the database does. So no breaking changes, no just going in a totally different direction. TLDR, they failed to pivot. Yeah. Well, they, they weren't. it wasn't that they failed to pivot. It was the, uh, so they go in to say what they should have done uh, uh, that would have uh, led to a success was timely arrival, palpable speed, so just pure performance, which is what uh, they, contrib- uh, they say Mongo has mastered is to be able to take these huge workloads and just do them uh, much faster than Rethink ever could. And just a very concrete uh, use case is the but other But why, why is Mongo so much faster than Rethink if uh, it uses impressive. implements the same thing? It doesn't implement the exact same thing. They implement the same idea. The thing is, M- Mongo has a very powerful storage engine that uh, allows it to read and write from disks very quickly. Plus, it uses uh, MapReduce to address large data sets. Oh, well, why couldn't they come up with something like that before uh, launching a competitor to Mongo? They weren't trying to compete directly with Mongo. They were trying to take ideas from Mongo as well as ideas from other databases and create their own thing. But And I respect that. But if they can't beat the performance, then it sounds like they're not going to stay stay around mm-hmm. for very long. Well, part part of the, what, how Mongo got that performance is not doing joins. Oh. Yeah. Well, and you have to kind of do SQL to do joins, right? Not exactly SQL, but uh, certain ideas from it. And you still won't agree with me that it's a pain in the ass to get one single record or key out of a Mongo record? What do you mean? Like, if, like you, can, you can write a SQL statement that gets one row mm-hmm. or, like, a, one field from yeah. a row. And you can do but Mongo, Mongo returns the whole JSON option. No, it doesn't. Not from my experience. Okay. Yeah, and you're using Mongo wrong then. Oh, well. But here's what we can summate about TIL. databases, if we can learn anything from this year. Uh, 
well, they're that, all going to be dead within a few years because these are not distributable and are not well, distributed. And so everything's got to be distributed. They, now. That's what I'm doing so that, in 2017. That, that is a uh, interesting thing to say because... It's a keyword. Uh, so you look at some of these highly distributed databases like uh, etcd, which is also a key value uh, database like Mongo that yeah, uses JSON. And that's using a different uh, consensus protocol in Mongo, where is, which is where you see this m much uh, better distrib distributing. While Mongo does have the ability to distribute, it is not as efficient as something that's using a, uh, uh, a consensus protocol out of the Paxos family, like uh, etcd uses Raft to make sure that all of its nodes are consistent. Well, Mongo does a much different, uh, it, it's much slower consistency across the cluster. So that's where you see that distribution issue. How are these database systems companies monetizing really quickly? Let's let, hear, hear about this. Uh, to see how this plays out for other companies, consider MongoDB valued at roughly $1.6 billion mm -hmm. with 700 employees. That's almost a third of Shake Shack. <laughs> wow. Docker valued at roughly $1 billion with roughly 300 employees. These companies so distribute I'd say free... Wait, hold on, I'm sorry. These companies distribute free software. Mm -hmm. Where's the money? So the interesting thing there is Mongo and Docker were smart enough to get the startups to, bu to bite on it first and uh, very early on to uh, show interest. But then they managed to go to the enterprise, where enterprise... They would. Uh, it's a, a weird mentality that comes out of these larger, older companies to say just throw money at uh, harder things to do. That's what created Microsoft's empire. Yeah. So a lot, of these, a lot of these large companies are totally willing to say, oh, give them training seminars for um, paying a million dollars to this company just so way they can train a handful of my developers. Or uh, they are going to actually do a managed version themselves that they host, which it's hard to make the argument that the creators aren't going to host your their version of the thing the, the most optimal way. Do you think that's a generational problem? I don't think it's a generational thing, uh, um, problem. So well, imagine much as... this. Imagine everybody, like in our age group, mm -hmm. that grows up on open source, which I didn't, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> you, you yeah. were growing up on open source stuff. I mean, you yeah, live, sort you of. live and breathe I, I, open source. I started programming in the Java days, so it's kind of that gray area there. Ugh. I also remember the Java days. Anyway, did you ever make an applet? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, you can't really get away, get away without doing <laughs> hey, that. Hey, that went away. It did. It did, yeah. thank God. Yeah. Anyway, um, where is I going with this? Oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. The generate. There's. A, I think that people that grow up on open source software, or at least a generation of software piracy, are not going to necessarily be as inclined to throw money at problems now. Because so, aren't the people who are do who are in charge of this, like in their forties and fifties, and not really, you know, technophiles? I like wouldn't us? say that necessarily. I I think that yes, from an individual standpoint, that's true. But from a company standpoint, I'd say when you have all this capital, that you have this budget that is not as tight as you would with a startup. Hmm. it's a lot easier to say, hey, I'm just going to pay for it, as opposed to, hey, I'm going to get a, a really smart person in it. So Mongo has $1.6 billion in the bank. Mm -hmm. uh, well, they're valued. I sorry, think. valued. That's not, yeah, that's not yeah. money. But uh, anyway, they're, they're valued at $1.6 billion, uh, and that mostly comes from enterprise licenses? Uh, not enterprise licenses so much as uh, they, they do like a uh, they host it on AWS uh, for you. So, Mongo okay, so they do hosting service. Uh, they do a uh, training and uh, consulting is very big. Good, good. And they have a bunch of uh, tools around the database that are uh, pay for. Oh, so they, they have a Halo. Yeah, this actually sounds like a, a company with products and services. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. And and I guess Docker does something similar. Yeah, uh, the exact same uh, business model. Interesting. Interesting. It's like they're an exhibition company with. Upside of technology. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Two very rough rules of thumb for private growth staged technology companies. Stage? 
for private growth stage technology. Oh, for private growth stage, they need some dashes in there. Technology companies, valuations are typically a 10 times multiple of annual revenue. Revenue for per employee is about 200000 a year, which means MongoDB's annual revenue is about 140 to $160 million. And Docker's annual revenue is about 60 to $100 million. That looks pretty good until you look at the dominant B2B, that's business-to-business technology companies, and markets that aren't developer tools. Companies like Salesforce or Palantir or Box, which faces, st- faces stiff competition. I hope they have Box.com. I've heard of one of those three. I bet you have. All of a sudden, MongoDB and Docker start looking tiny. All And these are massive successes. If relatively established companies with existing partnerships, distribu- distribution infrastructure, and access to large accounts are having trouble growing, what does it mean for a startup in its germination stage? That they're closing their doors. I think mm-hmm. that's what it means. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're learning German? <laughs> or, or Chinese. Uh, this is something that the next story is something that you posted, and I can't believe you posted it because you yeah, proved this I, wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, but I prove it very much right. I, I, no- I wasn't thinking of the fact that my parents listened to this when I posted it. Oh, I shouldn't yeah. have said that. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Did I say you? I meant me. I posted this. <laughs> Nobody's getting laid in technology, and that's not me projecting. That's from the Washington Post. No, it's from the Guardian. Speak for yourself. Oh! Uh, <laughs> did you did you plant this article just for that joke? No, no. But yeah. uh, I, I just was not thinking about that other fact <laughs> that you that that you proved this article wrong with like the last ten days of your life. Uh, I'm not that good. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, it's no secret that Silicon Valley opposed the election of Donald Trump. You know. You don't want to talk about politics, and you give me an article that leads with a political sentence. I, I, I skimmed through it. For many, the general distaste for reality TV star... Oh, my God, really? Come on, Christian. Uh, Trump's high-profile tech supporter, Peter Thiel. Uh, we have a lot of media it. review on this show before we talk about it, clearly. Well, well, I, I you know, I, I annotate the articles that I posted, but it's, I should have read this anyway. It's my fault. It's my fault. I should have read this, but... Uh, 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 but for Trump's most high-profile tech supporter, thanks, Christian, PayPal founder and Facebook inventor, investor, sorry, <laughs> Facebook inventor, the Winklevoss twins, now, Facebook investor, Peter Thiel, Silicon Valley discomfort from the Donald, with, I'm not reading this article. Uh, we'll on the get one, to the point where people don't get laid. On the one hand, the tape was very <laughs> offensive. Why, this isn't even talking about technology. <laughs> This is talking about something... It has to do with Silicon Valley, it has which is to, a very... Fo- uh, no, it has to... tech culture around it. They're finding a way to jab in another, like, anti-Donald no, get, line get, get in an the, article get that the has next paragraph. nothing to do. Get to the next paragraph. This has, they talked about grabbing people by the... It has nothing to do get to the next with paragraph. people not getting... Get back on the road. There's uh, a housing crisis. Daniel, a tw- oh, there we go. Daniel, not his real name, a 20-something who moved to San Francisco to attend a coding boot camp, ended up living in a... Hacker hostel with 13 people, two bedrooms, and 20 installations of bootstrap. Shut up. That basically sounds like Silicon Valley, the show. Actually, they're making those here. Except for two bedrooms. That's ridiculous. No, no, no. It's like, uh, it's probably, you know, it's like, it's like a, 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 a dorm. Have you seen the We Lives? They're, they're That's ma- what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah, they're making yeah. those here. It's, because It's basically a college dorm. Right, that you yeah. get to pay $1,600 a month for to share a dorm room. Is it that much? It's uh, not cheap. Uh, well, I mean, 1600 is cheap for Brooklyn, unfortunately. NYU housing was 1500 a month when I moved here nine years ago. Wow. So I was basing my 15? rent off of that. NYU housing? Well, those are paid by their parents. Oh, everyone that goes to that school is from daddy's money. Yeah. And then they end up in Brooklyn, also spending daddy's money. Daddy. <laughs> anyway. Daddy. 
daddy. But please, if you are in daddy's money, please listen to our show because it's free. You won't need any more of that. We don't want to alienate people. Anyway, Daniel, asterisk, a 20-something who moved to San Francisco to attend a coding boot camp, ended up living on, in a hacker hostel with 13 people, two bedrooms, six bunk beds, and one guy who slept in the closet. I don't know Easy. if that was voluntarily. <laughs> No or, one got or metaphorical. No one got <laughs> exactly. No one got laid here, as far as I could tell. Yeah, yeah those are the unsuccessful ones. No one gets laid when they're unsuccessful. Period. Aren't these people living together supposed to be getting laid all the time? I thought that's what, like in Big Brother, that's what happens, or in all of these uh, like like college trips that you go on. Everyone just kind of gets together. That's why it's I not even managed to do that. What? <laughs> that's why it's not called the dorm. Right. If they were doing it, it'd be a dorm. Uh, okay, here we go. Here's another person. Sasha, who's not the beautiful Sasha who hosts the show after us. No, this is another Sasha, a 26-year-old chef who moved to the Bay Area from New York, went on a blind date last year with a man who, it turned out, was planning to move into a wooden box in his friend's living room to save money on rent. Well, I feel like when you start <laughs> off with that, you, you know how this is going to end. Hey, man, you want to come back to my box so I can do something with your box? Wait. What? What? No. What no. I mean, I work for box. No. Wait. What if it's a doghouse? Mm. <laughs> That's basically what it sounds Sleeping like. in a doghouse. Oh, my God. Different. That's you know, what it sounds like. They say that San Francisco has the same or worse housing prices than New York. I, I hear they're more expensive. I'll stay here. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. If I, I listen. I hear at this point they're more expensive. If No, that's what I'm saying. What, in San Francisco? Yeah, it exactly. That's why I say I'll stay here. If I'm going to pay. Oh, I see. If I'm going to pay through the dick to, for rent, <laughs> it's not even through the nose. I have never heard that term it before. It's because that's every every month when I write that check. It's a kick in the nuts. Every, when every I, New Yorker gets their, gets their rent urethra. Exactly. <laughs> catheter. <laughs> right, catheter, yeah. Yeah, when you. That's uh, where it goes. When I pay rent. Sorry, team. If I have to pay if I have to pay rent that egregiously and live in a place where I'm taxed to death. At least have it be the greatest oh, city in the world. City tax. Uh, city, county, state, and federal taxes. They come with three bagels in the morning. Well, they do if you steal them from the guy while mm. he's in the train. No, no, because what happens is he has the van, and he has the bag of bagels outside of the van, and you can just kind of, while he's in the van, Are these the getting fresh more ones bagels. or the day-old day ones? Because those also double as murder weapons. Day-old. You put it in the microwave for 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, wait, continue reading this. Anyway, okay. It gets even better. Living in, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> living, te- check this out. Living in a box was, quote, not a deal breaker to Sasha. But the man's attitude towards his box was less appealing. Wait, is his you got to be confident about your wait, box. Is his, is, his name, is his name Sasha? <laughs> no. No. Are no. we sure? I mean, no, we're not sure, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, uh, so Sasha, for Sasha, living in a box was not a deal breaker, but the man's attitude towards his box was less appealing. Man, if it was a woman, <laughs> that would have been so funny. Uh, what was pretty weird about his description of his box is that he wanted it to be a prototype for a startup. This is like Silicon Valley. <laughs> no. uh, he was pretty proud of it. I was like, oh, my old roommate was living in a similar situation, but he wasn't very getting into advice. What very into getting advice? The pair did not go on a second date. Imagine I wonder that. why. I know. Here's another one. Elizabeth McGrath actually used her last name. Oh, because she's a somatic sex therapist in San Francisco who enjoys... Not semantic, somatic. What is somatic? I don't know. Somatics are muscle relaxers, so does she... I know soma is that drug from Brave New World. Yeah, it's a muscle relaxer. So does, does, does she specialize in pilled out sex? I don't know. She says there is. <laughs> well, you know, Adderall actually really decreases the, anyway. Uh, there's not a lot of sexuality. You know, you, it's, listen, the double-edged sword. Uh, there's not a lot of sexuality in the tech industry in terms of it being fun, free, open, and sensual. That might explain why everybody is so uptight. Wait, can we also, it all can feels... we also state the fact that it's a community of basically nerds 
So they're writing an article about well, nerds. Very like arrogant they, they, nerds. <laughs> well, so there, there, there are those, but there's also the programmer stereotype. It's even worse. You know, I was thinking about going out to San Francisco this year because I have to go out to California for, uh, for work later. And um, I don't know if I should. Should I? It's going to add about a grand to the trip, which is a... But it's San Francisco. I haven't been. Ooh, ooh, can we have a you just might be a programmer? If you have spiked hair and you write code for a living, you might be a programmer. <laughs> you have to put the pause there. I know, but I was just... And then that do was... the southern accent. Yeah, try it, try it. If you do it. <laughs> but that's it's not a no, southern no, 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 accent. It's a bro accent. If you, if, you wear, if you wear gel in your hair and you write code professionally... Stop. You might be a programmer. <laughs> All right, I got one. If wow, you bring, I feel If bad. you bring your dumbbells to work, you might just be a programmer. <laughs> Yo, if you were happy about Gamergate, you might just be a programmer. You said, you said programmer there. Oh, damn it! (laughs) (laughs) So close. Anyway, all right, we've got seven, six minutes left. Um, Many of McGrath's clients are men who want to check the boxes of life, but not check out the boxes of life, which include romance and and family, but are much more interested in their careers than exploring their sexuality. She described a common refrain from her clients as... I'm in my late 20s, I feel like I should have a girlfriend, but I don't necessarily know what's in sex for me, what's in relationships for me. The emphasis on work and career is also apparent to Amanda Bradford, the former, the founder of The League, not the show, a members-only uh-huh. dating app that launched in San Francisco in 2014. Is that the one where you have to ha- make, like, $300,000 to join? No, you just have to be invited. Oh. You have to be approved. Oh, you have to be approved? Gotcha. Damn. Thanks, Olivia. Are you, are you a member? Here, let me... Are you a member? No. No? Oh. Okay. I think that was... Whatever. Um, people in the Bay Area are definitely having sex because it's been known for anyway. Uh, as Bradford said, but probably less than their counterparts in New York or Los Angeles. That's right. According to the site's data, the league members in New York and L.A. are more likely to meet up with their matches in person. Interesting. The San Francisco it looks like a bunch of... Uh, Looks like a bunch of people like us, Christian. A bunch mm. of aspergery developers. Well, that, uh, I mean, hey, 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 hey. No. 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 Okay. Uh, anyway. Ooh. But uh, C.Q. James. Suxi? S-I-O-U-X-S-I-E. That is a great Scrabble word. Suxi Q. James. Ooh, Susie Q. In the oh, Susie. That is the weirdest. That's bad. That is, oh my god. That That's is so really much worse bad. than Ashley with L-E-I-G-H. That's like oh. Jessica with a Y. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm Mexican and it makes me sad to be a Mexican oh. when I see that. Susie Q. James, a sex worker and columnist for SF Weekly, argued that the home of the Falston Street Fair and good vibrations is just as sexy as ever. Quote, San Francisco has been a gold rush town for a very long time. And then at some point, it turns into golden showers now. At one point, at the turn of the 20th century, 90% of the women were sex workers. I think that's something... I think something not so different is happening today. Quote, people are definitely having sex. I'm not sure why Peter Thiel said that, but I'm not going... I'm not sure why he said women shouldn't be allowed to vote. What the... Anyway, they always got to end with another slam of politics. You yell at me. I didn't even say anything in that newsreel, Christian. Here, how about this? Another article from the Washington Post. Sorry, not the Washington Post. Well, yes, but Jeff Bezos' WordPress website. Let's call it what it is. There isn't really anything magical about it. Why more millennials are avoiding sex? And I did a horrible read on that. Sam Way, a 26-year-old financial analyst in Chicago. You know how this article doesn't begin with a slam against Donald Trump? It's interesting how it just gets right to the point. Uh, Sam Way, a 26-year-old financial analyst in Chicago, has not had sex since her, her last relationship ended about 18 months ago. 
She makes out with guys sometimes, and she likes to cuddle. Quote, To me, there's more intimacy with having someone there next to you that you can rely on without having to have sex, she said. I don't want to do anything that would harm the relationship and something that we can't come back from. Prude. Wow. It's a less sexy time to be young than it used to be, despite millennials' reputation as bedhoppers frolicking like the characters on Girls. Hmm. Isn't it? Yeah, because we do hook up a lot. If the ice cream's I, in the fridge, just fucking eat it. <laughs> wow. Wait, is that so fuck would, and eat it or fucking eat it? Fucking whoa, eat it. Whoa. Remember, we, we were supposed to be uh, Sorry, Tyler, uh, Tyler. We uh, ruined the F word. I limit. got so close. We are fifty six, fifty six minutes without <laughs> cursing. You did such a good job. We I all almost, did such a good job. I almost and we made blew it. it. Hey, I was way better in the beginning. What I was going to say is I can understand focusing on your career more. Like, is that it? Yeah. Oh. I, I, like, I understand that sentiment. It, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but I mean... Well, no, it's contextual. But if you're snuggling with the same person for like six or ten months, like, what are you, what are you saying no for? Uh, people bo- uh, research, recent research shows overall that millennials, people born between the early 80s and 1997, have fewer sexual partners and baby boomers than those in Generation X, the group immediately preceding them. Granted, the most, the vast majority of young adults are still having sex, but an increasing number of them to be standing appear to be standing on, excuse me, standing on the sidelines. Wait, here's an interesting point. How much of that has to do with cell phone use? Because people from the earlier generations are more used to doing stuff in real life. If meeting. you get a Facebook message while you're having sex, do you have to stop? <laughs> oh, of course, Messenger. You right. stop immediately. I, mean, there, I actually there was a party last night in Brooklyn that I saw on um, on uh, whatever one of those event spaces is. And uh, Eventbrite. And the theme of the party was um, uh, like it was in the old days. So they made you put your phone in a bag when you entered. And you weren't allowed to unlock that bag until you were out of a phone zone. That's great. Yeah. I heard of some people in concerts doing something similar where they put your phone in a box that has like a, that's like a Faraday cage. They're trying to make technology to make that, your phones yeah. not work. They already have that. Yeah. yeah. And they're gonna, they want to use it in movie theaters. But there's, there's, if they do use it, there's going to be that one thing that's like, oh... This person died. We all died because we couldn't use our cell phone in time because of this technology. No! There's that. And then also, like, as an artist, you know, uh, you, you get so much publicity over every show that you do, like on Instagram and Facebook and anything, because people are tagging your shows and, and tagging you on Twitter you and tagging, everything. you that is not a euphemism. No. 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 Just making sure. <laughs> As people have gotten much more of accepting of all sorts of forms of consensual sex, they've also gotten more picky about what constitutes consent. We are far less accepting of pressured sex. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's, but some experts that's are concerned that the drop-off effects of the difficulty uh, reflects the difficulty some young people have in forming deep romantic connections when they can constantly get Facebook notifications and tweets. They cite other reasons for putting off sex, including pressure to succeed in playing games on Xbox. That's a big one. Xbox? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen many friends have no chance at girlfriends because of video games. Wow. I've seen many friends who have no chance at girlfriends from programming. Or many friends who have no chance of girlfriends because they say a lot of stuff on the radio. Anyway, that brings us to the <laughs> end of another pull request. So, Christian, mm-hmm. do you approve this week's pull request? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. No? Yeah. Needs work? Yeah. Well, then we can't merge until you approve it. I'm just going to wait here. LGTM. All right, Tyler? Plus one. Very good. Well, then let's hit merge. And we'll see you all next week right here on Radio Free Brooklyn.